Thank you for listening to the Cross Loganville podcast as we continue in our series, 29, the book of Acts. Give it up for Jimmy. I love that brother. Come on. You never know who you're going to encounter on any given day. And about three years ago, Jimmy shows up here, just kind of searching, lost, wandering, just kind of drifting aimlessly, uh, if you will, through life. Jimmy will share his story, and he's given us permission to speak into it. But Jimmy was living at the wit's end, just kind of paycheck to paycheck, just kind of grinding, been using, been abusing all kinds of stuff in his life. And all of a sudden, Jimmy comes in here, and after a short period of time, he gets ambushed by the gospel. And God radically changed though Jimmy's life. And so uh, when you see Jimmy's story, it's pretty powerful. And uh, Jimmy got involved with our radical mentoring. Like, Jimmy, we're going to read a book a month. I think Jimmy said it took him three years to pass ninth grade math. And he goes, brother, I don't know about that one. And uh, I can tell you, Jimmy has stayed with it. He's reading what John Mark uh, what all of us are reading, Spencer. I mean, he's staying with it. He's memorizing scripture. And you want to talk about transformation. And, 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 and we have quite a few poster childs that kind of represent what our ministry is about, like a restoration culture where your story really does matter. And, and, and Jimmy's one of our poster childs. So uh, praise God for that. So good to see you. And I pray that uh, your heart's open to the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a great day as we continue to, uh, to worship the King. I don't know. Uh, how your week's been, don't know what you've been through this week, don't know what kind of uh, noticeable limp you came in here with today, uh, but we, we deal with stuff every day and every week, uh, not only in our own personal lives, but as we do life with others in the, the, the community. We've been walking with some of our friends, uh, my, my, my one friend, her, her brother, uh, took his wife's life on Thursday and then t- turned the gun on himself and uh, we've been kind of crawling through and kind of walking through and working through kind of a murder suicide painful kind of thing there another one of my buddies his 17 year old stepdaughter uh, decided she was gonna go out and do her own thing the other night and ended up flipping a truck at about 1 o'clock in the morning and uh, she's fortunate even to be alive but they're trying to work through that and uh, y- you've had stuff this week and uh, you, you're trying to figure out if the gospel is enough and if God's really good in the midst of tragedy and setback and pain. And you came in here today probably hoping that God would speak a word to you, encourage your heart a little bit. And even through the time of worship, you go, man, I needed that. And I pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would really just speak to your heart this morning as we dive into Acts chapter 4. It's going to be a good time. So we're in our series that we've titled 29. There's 28 chapters in the book of Acts, but 29 is what the Holy Spirit is desiring to do in you and through you and to write a new narrative today that's never been written. So I pray that you will uh, crawl on the altar as a living sacrifice and give God the pen and just tell him to go ahead and write the next chapter the way he wants to write it. Uh, He does a lot better job than you do, and uh, it's going to require you relinquishing control, which might be hard for you, but I promise you if you're going to step into the next chapter, it'll be the best one you've ever stepped into if you're trusting the Holy Spirit to lead it. So I'm glad you're here. If you're visiting, checking us out online, the easiest way to kind of on-ramp and access who we are is through our website, thecrossloganville.org. You'll find there uh, many, many things. You'll see the uh, connect card. It's easy to 
Click that link, fill it out. We'll send you information on who we are. The giving link, so many of our people use that to stay uh, faithful to the Lord with stewardship and uh, just tithing plus, living generous lives. And then any of our previous sermons, all the stuff that would help you take that next step is on the website. Take advantage of that. Let's pray. Let's open our hearts and dive into Acts chapter 4, okay? So, Father, we love you. We need you. And we just, uh, we just pause and say, Lord, uh, silence the critics in my mind. Silence the doubts in my mind. Lord, silence all this confusion and pain that I, I've got going on right now. And Lord, just speak to me. I need to hear from you. I need to embrace you. I need a God-style encounter. So I pray in the name of Jesus right now, Father, that uh, the Holy Spirit would have freedom to penetrate my heart and every heart in this room, every heart of every person that would be watching online. Lord, I pray that you would do something in us today for your glory. And I pray we would trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I had to title this talk, this teaching today, I would title it, Can I Get a Witness? Or probably more so, I would title it, uh, a little Tom Pettyish, I won't back down. Okay, so somewhere in between, can I get a witness and I won't back down is probably where I would land on this one. Now, before we dive into Acts four, looking back, we like to do that. Acts chapter three, Rick absolutely uh, just did an incredible job teaching through Acts three last week. If you missed that, you can go uh, online again to our previous sermons and and listen to it. But he did an incredible job. But when you basically listen to what Peter was saying to the religious people of that day, he, he basically in Acts 3 recapped, he looked at him and he said, y'all killed Jesus in ignorance. Y'all didn't even know what you were doing. You had no clue really who he was, had no clue of what you were participating in. But even in the midst of your hate and, and, and betrayal of, 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 of attacking him and killing him, he, he, he still loved you. And he was for you, and he was offering salvation to you, and, and, and he wanted to see you blessed and set free, even though you guys were killing him. That's what he told them. And then Peter and John, if you pick up the narrative, they continue to preach Jesus. They're preaching the gospel, and they're preaching the resurrection. 2,000 more people are saved, and the religious people get mad. And then Peter and John are brought before this intimidating, uh, aggressive, religious, political crew uh, some of the Sanhedrin made it up, and, and we'll read about them. But they, they were brought uh, before these guys. They were trying to bully Peter and John, intimidate them, and, and speak down to them. And Peter, 23 years old, kind of got a wild hair probably. He, he's sitting there listening to it, probably taking it for a bit. Turns the table and goes, hey, we're not the ones guilty. Y'all are. Y'all are the ones that killed Jesus. So here Peter is with like, like crazy boldness right out of the gate. He's telling them, the religious people, y'all are the ones that are guilty, not us. Y'all locking us up, but y'all are the ones that have absolutely done the evil deed. He goes, you know it's not wrong to heal anybody. You know it's not wrong to offer a blessing of kindness to a crippled man. And we did it in Jesus' name, and y'all don't even like that. And then he rebukes them, and then he says, Jesus is the only way. There's salvation in no other name. I, I, I would tell you, you've got to memorize Acts chapter 4, verse 12. You got to memorize this one. And, and, and it says there is salvation in no other name other than Jesus. There is no other name under heaven that has been given to man which man can be saved by other than Jesus. I mean, it's such a crucial verse. It's like, 
Ronnie, with you and Jenna getting ready to leave here in about eight days and, and, and head to Belgium, your message is going to be, it's the name of Jesus. We're, we're, we're not, we're not going to bring Jesus to you. We're just going to point out Jesus is here and you need him. And, and, and you know, I was thinking this morning in my prayer time, and I want you to hear this. I, I, I do want you to hear it. The further away we get in our teachings from the gospel, the more man-centered and chaotic they become. I, I was sitting there reading through this again this morning, and I'm like, these guys preach the gospel and preach the resurrection. And the further we get away from the gospel, the more man-influenced and man-centered and contaminated it, it becomes. They just preach the gospel. They believe the gospel. They loved the gospel. And even these religious leaders that were stooped in education and training, they looked at them and they're like, these are just a bunch of uneducated, unlearned, uh, these are not sharp looking dudes. But they were amazed with these guys. They're like, man, what is up with them? And then the, the, the proof of a guy who had been crippled all his life was standing there, and they're like, what, what, what are we going to do with this? And, and, and here's what they said. Here's where we're going to go. We're going to command you just to shut up and don't teach anymore, don't speak anymore, don't witness anymore, don't talk about this Jesus guy anymore. That's what they told him. And, and, and Peter and John said, uh, <laughs> our priority is to obey God. We're not going to back down. And uh, they made more threats toward them. They're like, we're not going to back down. And here, here's the thing I was thinking about, even in observing this text. It's amazing that Peter and John were commanded by the religious leaders of that day to shut up and don't talk about Jesus. It's amazing today that we have to beg people to stand up and talk about Jesus. That's a head scratcher to me. I'm like, here they are saying, hush. Here we are as evangelicals, as pastors. Please tell your story to the world. Why is it that we have to be provoked and begged? And it's like, have you ever shared Jesus with anybody? Have you ever shared the gospel with anybody? Did you share Jesus with anyone this week? Did God... Like, just show you, hey, here's a teed-up opportunity. It's great. You got, you, it's an easy door. Share, share your faith of how I've changed you. But so many people that make up the evangelical so-called community treat the Great Commission like it was a good suggestion. And we treat the Great Commission like it's really the great omission, like it's one of the things that we can pick and choose an a la carte when it comes to the faith. You don't have to do it. it Jesus he, he, he really didn't mean it was the Great Commission. He just meant it was just a suggestion, maybe, if you wanted to entertain it. We've got it all backwards. He goes, no, go. Go into all the world and tell them. Tell them who I am. Preach me. Tell them I'm with them until the ends of the age. Go declare my name. And, and here's the truth. Here's the truth. Each and every one of us will witness and talk about and speak about what we value the most. Uh, you, you can listen to a person and hang out with a person just for a few minutes and they're going to tell you what they value the most. That They can tell you, oh man, Jesus is the most important thing in my life, but maybe once every blue moon his name may get brought up in conversation. Maybe something might occasionally, 
get brought up. We all, we, we, me, you, we always talk about what we value the most. We always talk about it. Let me give you four what I think to be kind of key uh, ingredients, if you will, or keys to becoming a confident witness. I, I think deep down inside, if it's like, You've told us that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we will be your witnesses. And you tell us that we're to go, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the, the remotest part. You tell us that we're to go everywhere and be your witnesses to talk about what we've heard, what we've seen, what we've experienced, how you've changed us. That's right. Here, here's four keys. If it's going to happen, one, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't make this thing last very long in the flesh. You can gig for God and, and maybe try to imitate somebody else. But if you're going to really be a bold, authentic, confident witness, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you read verse 1, it says, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest, captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. Uh, the high priest was the most powerful Jew in Jerusalem. The temple guard was number two. The Sadducees, some of these people, made up the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was like the Supreme Court and Congress combined. They were powerful influencers in the community. They had so much power and authority that they arrested them, thrown them in jail, and threatened them if they continued to do what they were doing. I mean, these guys here were the masterminds behind the crucifixion of Jesus. Them. <laughs> and, 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 eight, and eight weeks ago, eight weeks ago, Peter is denying Christ, denouncing Christ, because he doesn't want to be arrested. He don't want to go to jail. And here, dude, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. He saw a ghost, the Holy Ghost, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And once the Holy Spirit filled him, he couldn't help himself. He no longer was scared. If you ever experience, like in the fullness, like where the Holy Spirit just overtakes you, and you go, okay, I, I, I'm not to be afraid. No, you're not to be afraid. It's supernatural. It's not in the natural. Luke chapter 11, listen to this one right here. Jesus said, when they drag you into their meeting places, when they drag you into the courts and you go before judges, don't worry about defending yourself. Don't worry about what you will say or how you will say it. The Holy Spirit will give you the right words when the time comes. Stop! There's over 3,000 promises in Scripture. Claim that one. If I trust God and if I yield to the Holy Spirit, I don't have to be so rehearsed. The Holy Spirit says, I'll give you words right now. I'll show you how to handle this. Last Friday, like nine days ago, I, I, I woke up at like 4 a.m. and I was praying. I, I, I had been asked to do this funeral for a guy I had never met. I, I, I met his sister and I knew his sister, but I don't know her like really, really well, but I know her. And she comes to the church here, but I didn't know him. And, and, and I didn't know his wife, and I really have met his daughter, but I don't, don't know her. But they asked me, would you speak at this funeral? And I stood up and I said this. I, I said this. I said, you know, none of us 
really enjoy going to funerals? How, if you were to take a poll, how many of y'all love to just go to funerals? How many of y'all hit maybe two or three of them a week and go, dude, I just like hanging out at the cemetery and funeral? You would go, that dude is wick, whack, something's off. None of us like doing that, right? We'd rather go to a ball game or a comedy club or something. something. And then I said, even as a family member, none of us really want to speak at a funeral. Oh, man, they've asked me to share something. I was like, man, I'm so nervous, I don't even know what to say. I said, then as a minister, it is a challenge to do a funeral for a person that you never met. But even as a minister, it's hard to do a funeral for somebody I love deeply. I said, I don't have permission to talk about his life because I never met him. I, do, I can't tell you stories. I can't tell you all this. But since y'all knew him and y'all had 55 years, some of you with him, y'all keep his legacy alive and y'all tell stories. But the one thing I can talk to you about is about a person I do know that changed my life. And he wants to give you hope today. That's where I went with it. How can I talk to you about something I don't know? But I can talk to you about something I do know. And the reason a lot of people ain't talking about Jesus is they don't know him. They know about him. They've been affiliated with culture at times, but they do not have allegiance and surrender to him. Like, what happened to y'all? Oh, we got filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, we hung out with Jesus. Oh, y'all did? Oh, yeah, we, we, we hung out with him. I'm claiming that promise right there. Like, Lord, you're going to lead me. Acts 2, 4, on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Right here in 4, 8, Peter and John were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 4, 31, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Listen, listen, listen to me. No matter what your church marinade, you might not even have one. I want you to hear me loud and clear. The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens one time. I got introduced years ago to the gospel, and God goes, well, evidence of being filled with the Spirit is speaking in tongues, and evidence is this, and evidence is that. And, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit as salvation. But I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. This brother leaks. He needs to be filled back up. Anybody leak? Anybody get a little fleshly at time? Any, any, anybody need a refill every day? Anybody's, anybody in here need a refill maybe three and four times a day? Lord, I, I got I to get filled with the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Listen to this. Even Paul writing to the believers in Ephesus, he made this observation in chapter 5, verse 18, where he says, do not get drunk with wine. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. A person, this is crazy right here. A person who is under the influence of alcohol, a drunk, has potential to do great damage to their world. A person is drunk. They're under the influence of alcohol. That person is high. They got great potential to destroy and do damage to their world. They're under the influence of alcohol. 
It, and he says, don't do that. It leads to dissipation. Don't, don't do that. It doesn't last anyway. But when you do it, you're capable of doing some stupid stuff. There was a guy in the first service, and uh, we were talking the other day. And he goes, brother, I've been clean for two years. I got free and saved. He spent five and a half years in a gated community. Y'all follow me? Five and a half years because of drugs. And they politely sent his butt to a gated little community where he spent the last five and a half years. And he got ambushed by the Holy Spirit. He surrendered to the Lord. They put him in the hole because he was still using and abusing even in the prison. They were like, dude, for the next 21 days, you're in the hole. And while he was in the hole, God got a hold to his soul. You see, Paul is saying to be influenced and controlled by the Holy Spirit will lead you to change your world. And that's where God wants us. He wants us influenced and controlled by the Holy Spirit so that when we go out into the world, we can be difference makers. We can be change agents. So many people under my voice in this room has been under the influence of alcohol and drugs, and you did more damage and caused more destruction than you care even to look back at. I got good news for you. Nobody is beyond the grasp of the Savior's love and reach. You can be transformed today. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Got to be filled. How, how, do you, how do you stay filled? Constantly confessing and releasing and turning from sin. That, that, that's part of it right there, right? I got to repent, being filled. It's saying, I got I to have you right now. I depend on you right now. A spirit-filled person, Cindy, is a, is a person that's not self-centered. They're God-centered. They're not selfish. They're not self-consumed. They're not into the me-ism. It's not all about them. Based on John 16, 14, the Holy Spirit's main ministry is to glorify Jesus. A person who is filled and controlled with the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. They will not pull you into their pity trips, and the conversation is not going to be about them because they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not dry drunks. They're not functional drunks. They're not, what happened to that dude? He got saved. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will always lead me to love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Against such things, there's no attack or law against this. I mean, that's where God wants to lead us when we're filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, when we're filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit, is emphasized in the text, here's what I would say to you. We will be willing to obey God no matter what the consequence. That's what we read here. The thought of somebody rejecting us or the thought of somebody labeling us weird is enough for most people in the church to stay on the sidelines and never open their mouth. Oh, you know if you go out there and start preaching, they're going to think you're weird. Oh, you, you, you know as soon as you stand up, Jimmy, and testify Dude, dude you, you don't make no sense, Jimmy. You need to hush. No, Jimmy, you need to keep talking. 
So they look at Peter and John and said, all right, here's here's the deal. Y'all need to shut up, keep your mouth closed. If not, we're going to torture you. What happened to your Jesus buddy is going to happen to you. So their response, Peter and John, these young 20-something-year-old dudes, they look and they said, yes, sir, we will obey. We're afraid of punishment. You know I don't want to go to jail. You know we're scared of y'all. They're like, dude, do you honestly think we're going to back down and not share what has changed our lives? We're not going to hush. Peter, hush. We're not. I was reading, I don't get to this in Acts 5, but it's like, if you read Acts early on when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, Ronnie, they're constantly getting locked up. And you know what ended up happening with these guys when they got locked up? They started praying. And, and if you read the text in Acts 4, it says this. They started praying for uh, traveling mercies, for a hedge of protection, that the offerings would increase. No. They started praying for more boldness. What got them thrown in jail in the first place? Boldness. What are y'all praying for? Boldness. That's what y'all are praying for? And I promise you, if that would happen with us, Somebody would probably come up to me and go, dude, come here. Yes, sir. That telling them that they are ignorant, that they killed Jesus, that message ain't working. Talk to them about the prodigal son. Tell tell them about that lost sheep. People like that story a lot better, and it doesn't lead to as many incarcerations. Soften your message with them a little bit. Go out there and tell them that Jesus turned water into wine. They like that message a lot better. This stuff you're talking about, you need to back off of it. And I guarantee you, if there was a modern-day seminary and preaching school back in Jerusalem of that day, those people would have tried to castrate Peter and John and even tell them that what they were doing was wrong. They're like, no, I'm not backing down. We need more boldness. Here's two misconceptions. When you are sharing your faith, two misconceptions when you start to be persecuted and attacked. These these two misconceptions happen inside the church. If I'm faithful to the Lord, then God is going to protect me. If I'm doing what God wants me to do, I am going to be immune from all this chaos. I've had people look at me and go, Tim, I don't understand I, I surrendered. I started walking with Jesus. I, I started tithing. And I started serving. And my family's attacking me, and my friends are attacking me, and my coworkers are attacking me, and I don't know what's happening. And I'm like, I don't know what Bible you read before, but let me introduce you to the one that I read. How, how many Old Testament prophets were beaten and stoned and sewn in two and murdered because they declared the faithfulness of God. Oh, that one you said that saved you from 
hell, Jesus, what happened to him? Oh, he was rejected. He was brutalized and tortured. Oh, 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 what about that one that came before him named J.B. John the Baptist? Oh, you mean to tell me he was attacked and killed as well? Oh, yeah, decapitated. What about the prophets? So you're telling me that the standard, kind of the, 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 the protocol for those who follow Jesus is going to be attack and persecution? Yeah, yeah. He even says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Did you say all? Yeah, I said all. Here's another misconception. Uh, attacks and persecution is going to come from those outside the church, not inside the church, right? Steve. I've had more attacks from people inside the church than outside. I've had more attacks from the religious than I have anybody. Who attacked the apostles here? The religious. Who opposed Jesus? John the Baptist. Paul. Who opposed them all? The religious. Who's going to oppose us? Religious people. Not righteous, walking in the righteousness of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. Religious people will. They're going to attack you. I would, I would tell you this. Spirit-filled witnesses are bold, and they obey God even if it means being persecuted. It didn't say you had to be stupid, but being bold. Second thing I would mention in this text, you must spend time with Jesus and learn from him. It says in verse 12, when they looked at these guys, you know, and they're like, there's salvation, nobody else, man, other than Jesus. They, they look at them and they're like, I've never seen like courage and confidence like this. But it says they took note because these guys had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. They looked like little Jesuses. They had the boldness of Jesus. And I think one of the greatest compliments that a person would ever pay to us is for them to look and say, you know what? Man, you look like you've been hanging out with Jesus. You look like you got most of your learning from Jesus. Man, you look like you're on a Jesus mission and you reflect Jesus. That would be like the greatest compliment, right? Not that you've got a cool voice or, I mean, great that you memorized the gospel of Matthew. It's like you've been hanging out with Jesus, haven't you? You look like Jesus. You, you reflect Jesus. Wouldn't that be such a cool thing right there? And so if, if, if we're looking at it going, okay, so what does it mean to say we want to be like Jesus? You ever studied Jesus? All this compassion and kindness that he extended. But have you ever seen Jesus, how he related to the religious community of his day? Even in Matthew 23, we, we read these seven woe statements. And I was like, what's a woe? And he's basically saying, hey, guys. Great sorrow and grief awaits you for the way you're doing life. Whoa! And he's looking at him, and he confronts repeatedly the religion, uh, the religion and religiosity and the Pharisees of his days. He calls them hypocrites. He calls them whitewashed tombs. He calls them a brood of vipers. What's a whitewashed tomb? It's like, man, you guys, that marble right there, you, you've broken out the soap and water and you keep the outside looking pretty, but deep down inside, it ain't nothing but dead bones. It's lifeless. That's who, that's, that's, that's who y'all are. Oh, y'all ain't nothing but a bunch of brood of vipers. 
I studied this years ago, Dean. This is a trip. It's like moving out to the country now, walking around. I'm always just kind of looking to make sure I don't see no snakes because I don't like snakes. You go, man, that's a good snake. That, 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 that's a contradiction of terms. There's no such thing as good and snake combined. Is that how? But I'm always looking like when I'm walking, right? I do. I'm, like, I'm looking around. Brood of vipers were, were these snakes that had the, the, all this venom, and, and they would kill you, but they looked like sticks. looked like a, a stick that had broken off of an olive tree. And he goes, that's what you are. You're a brood of viper. You look like an innocent stick, but you will kill people when you bite. Jesus, that's what Jesus said to the religious people. And, and this one dude, Pharisee, invited Jesus over to his house. Jesus, will you come over here and like eat with us? And yeah, I'll, I'll go over there. And so Jesus goes in and totally ignores and avoids uh, the ceremonial washing and all that stuff they would do. And, and they start like, the host starts like almost dogging Jesus. And, he, and Jesus goes, ah, yeah, 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 you clean the outside of your cup, but the inside's filthy. Ain't nobody studying on you. You ain't nobody wanting to drink out of what you've got to offer. A lawyer pops off, man, your words are insulting. He goes, what are y'all? Y'all ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. My conclusion when I studied Jesus is when sinners invited him into their house, he was a bad dinner guest. <laughs> like pagans that if they were going to do come to the table, oh, man, we got Jesus coming over. It's like, Ooh, y'all better be ready. Y'all better not try to attack him. Y'all better not try to dog him. Here's the reality of for me. If we're going to be like Jesus, yes, we'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. The love, the kindness, the gentleness, all that. But we're not going to stand there and tolerate a bunch of lies and deceit. We're going to be bold speaking against some of the cultural lies, false doctrine, that kind of stuff that exists. It's not like we sit there and go, uh, I mean, that's okay. It's not okay. Truth is an arrow. Three, you must talk about what you know for certain. These guys talked about what they knew, what they had seen, what they had heard. They had, we had witnessed over a 40-day window of time the risen Christ. They saw Christ ascend into heaven. He broke down Scripture. They talked about that. Uh, they had seen his power manifest. They had seen him raise this, this paralyzed dude up. And, and when you look at Acts 3 or Acts 4 here, there's three things they hit. I don't make it quick, would you? But I would invite you to study it. They talked about Jesus was raised from the dead. Even though the Sadducees didn't even believe in the resurrection, Peter continues to go there. Why does he go there? Because it is the only, it is the only system of belief that offers hope, healing, salvation, forgiveness. And Peter goes, no. We're teaching the resurrection wherever we go. The second thing, he emphasizes that God has performed miracles. Rick hit this last week, that there were certain signs and miracles uh, through the, the apostles that validated the authority of Christ. They looked at this crippled guy, and when they looked at him standing there, they acknowledged the miracle. You know, something happened. That's miraculous, but they rejected the implication of the miracle. They acknowledged the miracle happened. The miracle was this dude was paralyzed and now he's walking. The implication is it was done in Jesus' name. Jesus is alive and Jesus has authority over death, disease, name it. They rejected that. He's like, well, you know, reject whatever you want to reject. But God is doing a work and 
That's where we have to go. We have to talk about what we know, what we've experienced, what, what we ha- have encountered with the Lord. We've got to talk about that. And if you don't have any, why? And then they emphasize, hey, amen, salvation is only in Jesus. There is no other way to get to God and be free except through Jesus. Jesus had changed the life of Peter and John. He had changed the life of the crippled man. And every person who has ever been sent free that has called on the name of the Lord knows that any person is a candidate to be set free in the name of the Lord. I mean, I look across this room, and it's like, what happened to you? Like, Richard, I know your story. Sandra, I know your story. I sat there, and I told Jimmy yesterday, we were hanging out, I said, Jimmy, firing your video tomorrow. He goes, dude, I'm going to stay home, man. I didn't do a good job. No, you didn't do a good job. You did a great job. You did a phenomenal job. You share your story. Mark Twain said, hey, man, when you tell the truth, you ain't got to remember anything. It might have taken you three years to pass ninth grade math, but when you tell the truth, bro, you ain't got to remember anything. I'm in the same boat with you. Just tell the truth. What happened to you? Here's what happened to me. It was Jesus and Jesus only. Jesus said, the one who comes to me in John 6, I will, uh, I will certainly not cast away. And, uh, and I can tell you, oftentimes the most powerful witness is not the one who's memorized the Old Testament. It's not the one who has got all the degrees. It's the one who has been saved from a dark hell hole and transferred into light. And people look going, what happened to you? What's your story? How'd that, how'd that go down with you? And you've got a story to tell people. You go, yeah, but I've only been clean, man. I've only been sober for 21 days. I don't care if you've been sober and clean for 21 minutes. you got a story to tell. 21 years, you got a story to tell. You've got a story to tell. And God wants you to share it. A powerful life change story. You can share that today. You can share it this week. You can share it. My buddy Dallas, man, we, we do a lot of prayer time, hang time, just fellowship together and living there next door to him. About six weeks ago, he came to me and he goes, hey, Miss Ellen, man, I love her. And uh, she got some bad, aggressive cancer stuff going on. He goes, I want to do something to just kind of honor her. I said, what do you want to do? And he goes, I don't know. I said, when you want to do it? He goes, I, I, I don't know. Let's pray about it. So he comes back and he goes, what's What's the chance of us doing something on Good Friday? I said, let's do it. He said, when? I said, how about 3 o'clock? 3 p.m. on Good Friday, when we sit back and study history, is when Jesus breathed his last and gave up the spirit. It's kind of symbolic. Let's do it at 3. Well, what, what do you want to do? I don't know. I asked Rager. He's in town. Hey, Rager, you want to come out and do this with us? He comes out and does it. So we, we have this blessing service for this lady. And, and, and it was not comfortable for her because all these people... There's about 7,500 people that showed up. He just threw it out there. Hey, if y'all want to come, man, we're going to encourage myself. And that was two weeks ago. And so Dallas walks in this morning, and he goes, she passed away at 6 o'clock this morning. And I'm like, I'm so proud of you for doing that. I'm so proud of you for stepping into that space and honoring her. Because I don't know how many more breaths I'm going to get, but that lady talked about how God had radically changed her. She was a Bible teacher at George, uh, at George Walton down there. 
She taught at First Baptist a class for years at First Baptist Monroe. And these people are like, that lady, man, God used her to absolutely rock my world, to change my perspective of God. And if you heard how she started, she didn't start out as this, like, wow, look at this saint. She started out as a struggling person trying to really believe that God was for her. What are you going to do? you got a story to tell. And God may be wanting to raise you up to touch communities and people around you that you're like, how? Again, that's the last point. Jesus is the only way. There's no other route to get to God outside of him. They ask the disciples here, Peter and John, by what power did y'all raise that dude up? Where'd y'all kind of get that magical, you know, portion or whatever? How'd y'all do that? They go, uh, we did it in the name of Jesus the Nazarene. That's how we did it. That, that's how y'all did it. That's how we did it. What set you free? Jesus. We live in a day that has minimized and trivialized Christ. We've talked about this. We live in a culture where tolerance has become the main virtue. And as G.K. Chesterton said, tolerance is the virtue for the man with no conviction. So we're labeled. We're labeled as rude and harsh if we say that Jesus is the only way. But somehow we say that we trust Jesus for salvation, and Jesus said, I am the only way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We live in a culture, though, that says uh, all that matters is you just be a good person, and, and whatever you believe, just genuinely believe it because all roads lead to God. Peter is standing right here saying, no, 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 no. The one we follow, Jesus said, the name that raised that dude right there, Jesus said, he's the only way. There's salvation and no one else other than him. So much so that Peter speaks to them and says, do you not realize as I talk about Jesus and he's the only way, you guys, the builders, thinking you're building this big religious system or whatever, the, 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 the stone you guys rejected has become the chief cornerstone. I told you Jesus is it. There's no other way. I've had people ask me over the years. But I'm, I've met some good people over the years, Tim. There's some good, some good Buddhists out there, man. They're, they're, they're sincere in their practice. And there's, there, there really are a few good Muslims I've met over the years. And, and there's some good Hindus out there. And, and, and you're telling me that these good, loving, caring people... That if they do not repent and ask Christ to save them, they're not going to heaven. Yep, that's what I'm saying. But I got, I got some friends, man. They've been marinated in Catholicism. And, I mean, you want to talk about, man, doing the Hail Marys and the rosaries. And they got a Ph.D. in this stuff, man. And they're good folks. But you're telling me that if they do not surrender to Jesus only as their Savior... But they go to Mass every day, and they do all these practices, and they're very religious, and they got like some great routines. I hear you. But what we do with Jesus is the crucial thing. Now, how we go about sharing the love of Christ with people is very important. I'm not going to go to a Catholic and go, you're on your way to hell, dude. Ain't working. They lied to you. The Vatican's wrong. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. A Hindu, Muslim, whatever. But there's ways to sit down and share the love of Christ. But I can tell you there's no other way. And that was their message. Hey, Jesus was raised from the dead. He's validated so much about who he is, man, through signs and miracles. I promise you he has. 
we're not going to back down, and we're going to continue to teach that Jesus. There's already 5,000 people saved, and this church is about two weeks old. I pray you guys have that kind of momentum and revival hits Belgium when you get there here in a few weeks. I pray that that happens here in Loganville. I pray that people would come to the gospel and violently repent and quit playing games and become bold, outspoken warriors for the kingdom. If we do that, Miss Pat, it's amazing what God would do if this church said, you know what, I'm all in, but, but, but I might be persecuted. No, 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 no. No. It's not might. You will be. Somebody might attack me. Somebody may say I'm weird. I, I, yeah. We're weird. <laughs> to believe that a dead man rose from the dead, that's weird. That, that's not a popular thing to believe in our culture, right? To believe that a book that was written some over a 1,600-year window of time, that God would raise up certain people to contribute, that that book is really inspired, like in, in, and really God breathed, you go, that, that's weird. There's a lot of things weird. To believe that a person that was a freaking drunk, strung out, with no direction, can be radically changed and used by God to take the gospel to the nations, that's weird. I believe that kind of weird stuff. Jump into the weird stuff today and let the Lord change you.